0: So my next interview is with a returning guest and it's always a real pleasure to be able to to do that. You know, I'm the, I'm the producer of this podcast face to face and uh, this was, was live with Young Chang, a returning guest for uh, from a, a, about two Toronto international film festivals ago. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing him and Robert Fisk about this is not a movie, a great film. You've got to see that for so many reasons, but also uh, uh, Young, Young and I uh, there was just so much to chat about. There always is. And I always feel, you know, you've heard me say it before, but I feel as if we barely scratched the surface on these conversations. Uh, check this out. The film is Wuhan Wuhan. I uh, wonder what it's about. Uh, here's the quote. Quote, we are from different lands and are separated by mountains and water. Yet above us, we share the same sky and the same feelings, close quote. Written in the seventh century, and you're going to have to watch the film and listen to the interview to, to know why that helps to provide some context for this story in this film. 30 filmmakers were caught in the lockdown. They were there to film another documentary about the Yangtze River, uh, something Jung knows quite a bit about, actually, and if you haven't seen that film up the Yangtze, you really need to. And They were able to capture what was going on in Wuhan very recently, and now uh, Young and a few others have have brought this to us so that uh, we can step into the shoes of others in a very uh, specific, meaningful way. This is a beautiful, hopeful Cathartic and, and deeply memorable uh, piece. It's a it's a story that you know you're you're going to want to step into, and you're going to want to um, you're going to want to see it with others too. I think it it almost demands a community like response. It's it's uh, again a beautiful, memorable piece. And and Jung and I we we chat about why it's important for why it was important for him not to politicize this. Why this was a universal story. We we talk about similarity through difference. We talk about the poetry of the city. And its history, and why that's important to to not only this film but also to uh, it's important for the world to know that and 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 to see the response of just you know everyday people who are making contact with reality in in, in many different meaningful ways, and so you're going to enjoy this film. You really are. It's, it's a, like I said, it's a beautiful piece. Have I said that before already? Can you tell that I liked it? So, and I hope you enjoy the interview as well. And I just, I, I had so much fun with Jung and, and, and we, we always been just so, we, we barely scratched the surface on these, these conversations. And so I think he's bringing together about 300 hours of footage. Can you imagine uh, from 30 different people and, 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 and tying up those loose ends with some, Cinematic, uh, cathartic thread that uh, people are going to, I believe, revisit uh, for years to come. So step right in, look for the film. You can check it out online, or at least uh, you can find out more about the the doc and about Young and who was involved. The Wuhan wuhandoc.com and uh it's at festivals it's been at festivals uh we we did this interview during hot docs and there's many more coming up for this film uh, and they're on the site so definitely check that out as well and don't forget if you're looking for more information about the work i'm doing uh, davidpecklive.com you can find out uh, more about my writing and my speaking and of course the podcasting there and if you landed on that uh this interview through itunes or acast or spotify or whoever it is please do uh, check out the site davidpecklive.com sign up uh, Com. Sign up for the, the newsletter. If you want to advertise on the podcast, uh, let us know. We'd love to um, um, set something up for you uh, that's um, you know, meaningful for, for you as well. And also, can I ask you to leave a review? If you are enjoying what we're doing here, we would so appreciate that. Leave a review for us on iTunes or Spotify uh, or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. It's, it all helps uh, as we continue to tell this story and as we continue to tell other people's stories as well. So stay tuned. The film is Wuhan Wuhan. The interview is with Yong Chang. And, uh, you know, don't don't touch that dial. Coming, Coming right up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today. And, and once again, we are digitally face to face, but sadly, we can't actually be face to face. And if if I was in London, I think we'd be hanging out at a pub with with my H6, uh, recording this conversation live and face to face. Mark Silver's here with us today to talk about uh, his brilliant, important, uh, compassionate, heartbreaking film, Three and a Half Minutes, Ten Bullets, uh, here with us today on Face to Face. Mark, thank you for your time today. Hey, cool. Thanks for having me. So the film's been out for a couple of years. Um, what, you know, and I'm, I would imagine some of the, our, our listeners have seen the film. Um, and, and, and I hope in, in some ways many haven't. And I hope that we're going to get more eyes, not only on our interview today and our conversation, but the film and the story as well. Tell me what's been going on, not only in your life, but with respect to the story uh, since you not walked away from it, but sort of, I guess, what do they call that? lock picture?
1: Uh, well, we were—I mean, tragically—very uh, fortunate that when we were locking picture, uh, the beginnings of the sort of Black Lives Matter, like the rumblings of Black Lives Matter, was beginning, um, which coincided around the same time that we submitted to Sundance. Um, so we premiered there in twenty January twenty fifteen. Um, and then at Sundance, HBO picked up the film and, obviously, and it played in cinemas that summer and then went on to HBO after the cinema run. Um, and again, tragically, I remember every time I used to come into the US to do you know, screenings or Q&As or whatever, I would literally have to learn the name of a new person who'd been you know, shot by the police in in another stand your ground cake like literally every time I flew into the US and it was almost you know it was like awkward (laughs) to to add another name to this list Um, surreal Um, and this was obviously all before uh, the days of Trump when um, you know when when I now look back at three and a half minutes it's almost I see in the character of Michael Dunn who was the in the end convicted murderer um you know i see the sort of latency of what now we, we everyone is like openly referring to as white supremacy um but obviously at that time um that was not how he was framed in the film um so yeah it's a very interesting thing to have made a film that continues to resonate and not only continues to resonate but sort of the snowball surrounding it just gets larger and larger as we become uh let's say more open to talking about these like very well conscious and and subconscious biases that obviously play a massive role in that film
0: so okay i'm just gonna call us out here two white guys here talking about this, this not only an underlying issue, but incredibly, I mean, you know, it's unconscious bias, but it's also in many cases, very conscious bias as well. I mean, sometimes unconscious bias is just racism, isn't it? So at what point in the process uh, or the filmmaking, you know, the, the unpacking of the storytelling, did, did you have any recognitions like shocks of recognition where you went? Wow, this is kind of shining a light on on my world where I grew up. and I mean, honestly, mark, I mean i how how can you not right sort of feel that way to some degree?
1: Yeah, um, so look a lot of projects I work on um, for right or wrong, or good or bad, take me to like I enjoy taking my time, <laughs> uh, understanding them. Seeing it from many different angles, working out like what the core sort of essence of the story is, etc., etc., etc. But I, but genuinely, I remember uh, being sent this article um, about uh, what happened to Jordan um, with an email that said, "You know, is this of any interest?" The people that sent it to me were interested at the time in doing a film about guns in America. And um, it was it was one of the very very few times in my sort of journey through filmmaking that I I could see the film straight away. In in ten post it notes, I could see the film. It didn't really change that much. Amazingly, wow. like all the way through. Obviously, there's some nuances, but essentially, and and the reason for that was was going back to your question was because. In the character of Michael Dunn, um, whilst I don't know anyone that would have reached across and pulled out a gun from their glove compartment and shot somebody, I, I do not know anyone that would be on that end of the spectrum, but the invisible, unconscious, etc, etc, biases that are going on in that story, there are many people from where I come from, like suburban London, who, who would have been scared of four black teenagers wearing hoods in the back of a, a big car playing loud hip hop. And in, in that moment where I had that, where that resonated with me, I realized um, this really is a, this is, as much, this is not a film. I mean, of course it is a film about a black family who, uh, who are going through, you know, the most atrocious of experiences. But that's but the but really this is uh, a demand and I you know I was going to say invitation but it's obviously much more dramatic than an invitation. It's a demand that uh, white people by watching the film get to see a reflection of themselves somewhere on that spectrum. And once like I very fortunately like immediately understood that on the reading of this article. And then that's what kind of set the journey uh, to then meeting Jordan's family in Jacksonville and Atlanta. It's and- so it,
0: Mark, Mark. It's 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 so easy to sort of say, "Well, that's how this guy behaved, right?" I, I I would I would never go there. I would I would never reach over intentionally pull out the handgun, pull the trigger not just once but ten times, shooting at a. I mean, this this story is just insane really right it's just infuriating uh you kind of i felt like boy i mean not that i could have done anything but i think it's a testament to your your filmmaking skills and drawing us in in the story itself the tragedy of it wanting to help you know wanting to step in in some way it's easy to to point the finger um do you think you know this 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 what i would call crazy stand your ground law um do do you think this guy, this the really felt like he was defending himself or was this just a defense of his supposed defense, if that makes any sense at
1: all? Um, I feel like he thought he was defending himself. That doesn't mean that him defending himself was in any way based on like what you and I would call reality. Right um then there came a point where i where i where i got to a point of thinking he was never defending himself from i don't believe he was ever defending himself from someone with a gun what 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 he was defending himself from was an assault on his supremacy on his, on his perceived supremacy. Right. Right. Um, and that does not fit into this, the stand your ground doctrine. Right. Um, and I think he, uh, realized that he had done that and therefore spoke about this shotgun that was never there and that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, but I, so it's not that I believe that he was defending himself from a gun, but I believe that he was defending himself from what he perceived to be an affront.
0: Which is kind of an argument against the whole notion in the first place, isn't it? It's exactly. just, yeah. when you start to peel back the layers, the absurdity of it and to see, you know, to see, uh, uh, Lucy, right. Uh, yeah. at the, at the end of the film going where, where has this taken her on her path? And and now a Congresswoman, I understand.
1: Yeah, incredible. Which no. is
0: utterly brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. I mean, and talk she to you
1: um, The way she, I mean, I haven't spoken to her for a while, but the way she sp- spoke to that experience was that in that journey, she still feels like she's parenting Jordan.
0: Right, right. Well, she's certainly parenting many others along the way, it seems to me with this. I mean, those shots at the end of Cruz and just again, the absurdity of from my perspective, that position. I mean, as a Canadian, you know, the idea of, of of taking up arms against my neighbor is is kind of a crazy notion, which I suppose a lot of Americans would say, well, that's partially what's wrong with you Canadians. Right. But this is sort of the divide. And you just you, you go, how, how do you get there? Like, I think there's a great question raised near the end of the film really appeals to me as the philosopher. And I think simply what what's wrong with this country? Dot, dot, dot. And what a beautiful takeaway from your film. There's so much there. And by the way, congratulations on the film. I haven't said it. I know it's a few years late to be congratulating you on this, but this was shortlisted for an academy. Hey, where can we find out about the film online too? A little aside, obviously, they can, uh, folks can look you up uh, uh, on your website. Um, is is
1: Yeah, so, so – um- I've kind of lost track of it. The way that uh, different streamers license it, but the last I, the last time I got messages about it, I think it's still available on HBO Max. Um okay. If you're in the UK, I don't know if, uh, but for anyone in the UK, it's available on Sky.
0: Yeah, I've got global listeners, and um, I'm sure somebody's ripped it off somewhere too. Yeah, otherwise I'm sure it's on YouTube,
1: yeah. (laughs) Sorry,
0: sorry to admit it, but it is. To be honest,
1: by any means, I'm very happy with, uh, you know, Wherever and and however
0: and whenever you can see it have have you know before we get back to the film just a, another quick uh, quick aside have have you had success from an educational perspective like uh, have you been able to get into schools and into classrooms and into universities I, I mean I just think there's a there's a campaign here you know uh, I mean I'm there's more than one campaign
1: Yeah, there was a specific distributor that um, I. Th- uh, called Rocco, R-O-C-O. And I think that they were literally in charge of exactly that, um, you know, injecting it into universities and schools and seeing what came of that.
0: Fantastic. What, what, what bubbled to the surface at, at Q and A's for you as you, uh, you know, you, you went to different festivals and different screenings and so on. What were there common threads?
1: Um, I think it, one thing I remember that always came up was the, um, almost this kind of uh, interesting questions about that, the aesthetic of the film. So not just the trial, right. um, which obviously, you know, we were super fortunate that we were able to negotiate the kind of access that we had to the courtroom. Um, and that was down to the openness of the judge. Remarkable, really. Absolutely amazing. And in the state of Florida, that's allowed. And in other states, we wouldn't have been able to do that. And we did a kind of deal whereby, um, because normally they would just, uh, their CCTV cameras would just feed into pool media, like mainstream media. And we just basically were like, we'll just put our cameras in there. We'll still send a feed to mainstream media. So they were getting like really good quality footage. Right. we were also you know keeping everything on drives so that we would then bring right. back to the edit. Right. so it was like a win-win for everybody um so that that was obviously an interesting i think the phone calls uh which we can get into in a minute but the the michael the michael dance phone calls yes again, yeah in the state of florida are public access which the is
0: access a- even I, I even the footage in the um um I don't know what room you would call that, and I'm assuming the police station where they're doing some of the uh, immediate sort of post yeah. q and a with him, you know, remarkable, kind of creepy really. yeah.
1: and um I was astonished when I you know discovered yeah. that all of that was absolutely accessible to us. Um, in relation to to Michael Dunn, we requested interviews with his with him, his family, his lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all of which were denied, um, and I guess in the in the in the sort of journey through the edit, what we came to realise with those phone calls was that we were going to be able to craft Michael Dunn's character all probably in a more honest way than if we had done a sit down interview with him or any of his family members, because what was revealed in those phone calls. Was like a truer essence of his nature than I think anyone would have thought in sure. an interview.
0: Sure, um, just those 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 subtle those little things that kind of give us all away, really. Exactly. Right?
1: Yeah, 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 and the, the, exactly the the sort of the use and tone of language was was more revealing than a sit down interview it would have given you. And then the third thing I always remember was which which I. um Which I guess, like in in the so I arrived in Jacksonville, and was a little freaked out as a as a photographer, as to like the lack of visual opportunities, Uh, because obviously for a film like you're always thinking how am I going to represent this visually? You were
0: you were the cinematographer on this film too, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, because it was just like roads and shopping malls communities. Um, a lot of people. Yeah. And I was like, my god, like I'm not good. How do I like represent and then obviously over time I was like, oh no, of course, this 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 aesthetic is part of the problem of why people remain separate and why um Michael Dunn and Jordan's worlds would never have crossed on the street because that's how this city is designed, to segregate people. And then, so it's no surprise that the, one of the only places that they would ever intercept was in a gas station car park. And once I, once I understood that, um, I realised that my, my initial sort of uh, anxiety about the lack of visuals was actually the, the core... Visual aesthetic, and that always came up as well in, in Q and A's. That was always like very well, interesting. You know,
0: you're, you're you're establishing shots right after we meet um, uh, Lucy and Ron at the beginning of the film when they tell the beautiful story of why how they named Jordan and crossing the river and oh my right, and then your gorgeous shot of of us going over the bridge was that a um, a nod towards that segregation? Would you say? As well as let's cross this bridge together. It's time that we went over to the other side. I mean, it was yeah, lovely, lovely stuff.
1: It was everything, and that that uh, amazing that first uh, scene with with his parents. Um, so that was the first conversation I ever had with them, um, and in all honesty, I hadn't intended on using any of that conversation. Like right. I fact, sort of like re- research. Yeah, it was a ex- set. Yes, exactly. It was a research interview that I hardly even looked down the camera because it was much more important <laughs> that it was like eye to eye.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: and, um, you know, I, I always find it's a kind of running joke with, with me and the guy that I edit with that we'll always have an amazing first scene that then by the time we finish the film, we, we end up deleting that first scene and having to put something else in there. So we had this completely different first scene, which I think was, um, um, oh God, it was, I think it was, oh God, I can't remember. It was, it was Michael Dunn referring to a movie he'd watched um, over Christmas or something, It's a Wonderful Life or something. And we had all these Christmas shots of Jacksonville, and it was like a killer, you know, like crazy right. beginning. Um, but then by the time we'd like circled around to finishing the film and went back to the top, we just started like looking at Ron and Lucy's this conversation again and it just was so untechnical and so just it was just literally a humble human to human conversation and I don't just tonally it just felt like com- completely right to put that there and and why on earth would like Michael Dunn own the opening scene It was just like oh done with that delete right. <laughs> Right.
0: Yeah, there's, well, there's some metaphorical power in in it as well, right? Just the symbolic gesture of it alone, you know, filmically, I suppose, but also just uh, narrative, narratively as well. How much um, fear? was was fear palpable in the city for you i mean is this not the murder capital of florida i mean i remember being in jacksonville many years ago you know what did you say a city designed for segregation something like that don't let me put words in your mouth mark but but i think i've i've certainly felt that before and and cities are not necessarily designed for what's your what's your sweatshirt say there uh, choose choose love i'm yeah. not i'm not i'm not sure architects are thinking about you know love uh and community and relationship when they when they build roads and demography and so on and maybe that's that's also a beautiful takeaway for us as well right isn't it wonderful yeah. to, to to reflect on the implications of that as well but anyway love to hear your thoughts on that
1: yeah so uh, when i say segregation i i mean i don't mean that in like, the loaded sense of like black versus white right it, because it's it's across all its class, it's consumerism it's Sure. It's like all strata. There's segregation. What did Breck and, What did What did
0: Breck call it? The fourth wall.
1: Right. So, but it was also just very experiential. It's like mm. I can't. I can There's no streets to walk down. There's there's no. There is no community. There. You know. Ev- everything. Everything has to be got to by a car. Right. Um. So it. You know, you're, you're literally, I mean, now, uh, nowadays you would, nowadays, I mean, it's only five years later, but six years later, but nowadays I would, yeah, that, that would sort of manifest as the filter bubble, I guess. Um, but back then it was like, this is a physical filter bubble. Like I, I am bumbling around in my car, not connecting to any other human being. And my only interaction with other people is when I stop to buy stuff. And that's just cannot be good, right? For (laughs) that's just not that's not a fertile ecosystem.
0: (laughs) No, no, that's very funny. Yeah, the only time I interact with other human beings is when I buy something. That's like that's like my soundbite for the for the day (laughs) and possibly for the week. That's that's really quite remarkable. Uh, I know we're limited on time and and I knew that going in, this was going to be one of those conversations that could go on for quite a while. I feel like we should be doing a panel discussion together in front of 500 people. I, I'm, I'm saying that more and more of late. Um, what do you, what do you take away uh, uh, about the legal system? You know, I just want to make a comment about the judge. You have that great shot of near the end of the film where just before he closes the door and walks to it, it's like, he's just kind of going, Okay, my my work is done here or maybe it was the final shot for the film for the for the camera. I don't know what it was, but are you are you are you confident that things are getting better? Do you walk away saying justice was served, you know, in in a good way? Um yeah, anyway, I I think of the shot of the families at the end in the room holding hands and praying. Like I just there's so many places we could go with this mark.
1: No, um Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. So, so I sat through the trial at the, at the back of the courtroom. Um, and I think I, I think I even texted a friend from the back of the courtroom and it was, so I realized, and I've never, you know, I know nothing about the law or I'd never been in that environment before. So it was, it was totally fresh for me. And, um, Yeah, I got to this point where I realized, Jesus Christ, like justice is, at least in this experience, justice is based on who is the best storyteller. Wow. Um, And certainly for the first trial, well, I won't obviously, I won't give, you know, do a spoiler, but for the first trial, the defense lawyer uh, was through his storytelling was able to sow enough doubt in the in the minds of the jury um, that allowed a not guilty verdict. Not guilty of first degree murder verdict. Um, and that, that storytelling does not represent truth. So when you're when I'm sitting there for a couple of weeks at the back of a courtroom very claustrophobic and very confined to just like these intimate you know human nature bits and pieces of different people in this courtroom with no natural light you know it's like not again not a not a photographer's dream environment um but that that kind of juxtaposition of justice versus truth sorry storytelling versus truth justice versus truth um was very was very shocking. It was very yeah, shocking.
0: But, well, um, I, I couldn't I couldn't help but think, Mark, too. There is a line that you leave in the film about uh, the the stipulation of fact. You know, you go here and when right, and so I just I, and as a philosopher, of course, this kind of stuff really appeals to me. I mean, what is what is actually true, right? What's a is a fact true,
1: right? Well, I mean, again, right? what it, like now. Years later, post Trump, you know, who knows? Facts, truth, fake news, alternative facts, etc., sure. etc.
0: Sure. Now,
1: now we, you know, comedically speak about these things in a sort of post-Trump era, um, and obviously this film was was pre that. But when I watch it now, with like in a in a post-Trump era i can see that there are like philosophical themes let's say oh absolutely within the film that were prescient you know that very i I had no idea would would play out so interesting
0: there's there you know like any great film and any great doc any great story there are layers there's so much going on in this film and this story and and uh, that that i i mean it's one of those that'll be returned to it seems to me for years you know you had such intimate access you know, uh, in in a way that others, um, well, other stories, even about this story wouldn't probably have, right? Or have had had the ability. It always makes me wonder too what you left out Mm. (laughs) in a a story like this, you know, how critical might that have been to telling a different story or a new story?
1: Well, I mean, the the big thing we left out in the edit, um, to be honest, was really just more pain Mm. Like there there were so many more scenes of pain uh for Jordan's parents. Um that there came a point where we had to find the the fine line. Right. Where um parents could express their pain, retain their dignity, um uh n- not for us not to abuse the trust in totally in making that judgment about you know where that line is
0: well there's that ethical decisions i think another another filmmaker might have included it because it would have upped the emotive ante or something you know and i think yeah no i would say yeah why wise calls for sure you know thinking about the the, the, the pain and the relational component, you know, uh, uh, help me out here, but Laylin Brunson, Tommy, uh, Tevin Thompson, his three friends, Jordan's three close friends, the basketball court scene, you know, and they just, they, they, I can't remember what the line was, but something as if they were saying it to Mark, if, if they'd hung out with us just for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Honestly, I'm getting goosebumps. Right, yeah. if yeah. they'd related to us and maybe shot a few baskets with us on the court, yeah, things would be different today. And I mean, yeah. is that like okay? How about make a ten-episode uh, series about that? Just yeah. that alone. Can we call Jeff School together and see if we can find funding for this one? Yeah. Uh, is that a yeah. possibility?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I- exactly that. Like when I first met those guys, and we did. I think we did a conversation in the back of a car and then the basketball court and then I went right. to it, you know, hung out at yeah. their houses or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, the, I mean, not, it, it was literally just like hanging out with some dudes. You know, yeah, yeah. It's good. Who, had, who also, I thought, had such an amazing um, unconscious sense of humor. I mean, there was one line in there about, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheeking the struggle um you know and, and they're like look, our struggle was never about race our struggle right. was something about like, like finding girls on facebook or something that's great right. like, that's right yeah yeah you know that's where they were at as all teenagers should be you know which makes it you know doubly as tragic that they went through that experience
0: i love you know, just uh, from a filmmaking perspective, I love what you said, and we don't have probably time to go into it now. I know we got to wrap up in a couple minutes, but you saw the film in ten post-it notes. Is that is that a testament to to the clarity in the story itself? Do you think your experience as a filmmaker, or just what you really wanted to say? Maybe they're they're all kind of the same question, I suppose. Um-
1: well, I I just come off. Well, I I made I I'd only made one one feature length film before that one, um, which was an an insanely steep learning curve, <laughs> a ver- a vertical learning curve, um, and I and I had learned so much in the experience of making that film that when when this article landed in my inbox. Um, it was almost a sort of cathartic juxtaposition to the experience I'd just come out of for a few years. And so I think partly it was just the you know, if this this sounds uh, like a crazy couple of words mixed together, but the sort of the clarity of the absurdity of stand your ground was mm-hmm. one was one beat on that. Um but as we as we were talking about earlier, I think the recognition that there is uh, the, the recognition that I really wanted to investigate um, how the film, how to make the film for white audience. No, I mean no. It's obviously for everyone, but I mean like in particular for white audiences. Um, to use it as a catalyst to be able to like reflect on their own biases. That, that, that was very clear from, from you know, that first reading of the article and how Michael Dunn would have to be uh, not this sort of boogeyman from the outset, that like you would need to craft his character in the same way that you as the jury would not True. know anything in the beginning of the trial, but by the end could make a decision. Like I, I wanted the audience to be able to, to, as best as I could go through that similar experience rather than just have him as like guilty before we even know what the story is. Um, and that was not necessarily because I have any care or empathy for Michael Dahl. Uh, it was more that if I, if I, I don't want a white audience to put up defenses from the very beginning. I want to be able to like seduce them through mm-hmm. along this journey so that without even knowing it they're seeing parts of themselves in that film.
0: Yeah, isn't isn't that a beautiful thing about about any kind of filmmaking or story time or uh, storytelling or art it's a, it's about trying to I hope that create that empathy step step inside a little bit the situation I love that you tried to make me a jury and a member in a, in a way and and it, i mean i i, I reflected on uh, on your shots of the evidence early on too heartbreaking shots heartbreaking shots of of Jordan's clothing that he was wearing and so on and and- it's
1: one of it's it, that it's amazing you pick up on that because um again, like many years later now uh you know I still work with with emiliano who's who was the editor um and i that, that I think that scene where um, I think it I, can't, I haven't watched the film in a while I think it's his his mum Lucy says in a in a different location what happened to Jordan and then the next scene is the, this evidence coming out in the courtroom um, and I don't mean this in any egotistical way whatsoever but that moment is probably one of like the 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 most I mean, even now I get—I can get a lump in my throat talking about mm. it. It's like one of the most touching moments I've ever been able to craft uh, in a film.
0: It's—it's uh, it's a be- beautiful, uh, me- meaningful uh, f- yeah. few. It's a, and it's only a, a what is it? I don't know, twenty-five not, second it. piece, right yeah. in the film. Isn't isn't that remarkable? Yeah, that you're you're as the filmmaker getting the lump in your throat imagine yeah. what it's going to do for audiences who have yet to see it and have yeah. already. Hey, tell us, uh, brag about the film a little bit. Social Impact Award, I think. Um, yeah. Shortlisted for an Oscar. I mean, come on. Um, it's 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 been noticed. I think, Mark, what's cool about the story too, for me is when people peel back a layer, they're going to go, oh, I remember the story. Yeah. But, but if somebody said to you, oh, hey, do you remember, right? But as it like they wouldn't just pull it out of the historical air, right, so there's this iconic edge to it, which I think is going to be a good thing uh on, on a social level. That's my two cents anyway,
1: yeah, i think um so look, i've I've done a lot of different projects over the years um and for me um three and a half. Like, if people ask me, you know, what can I watch of yours? Th- three and a half is the one that I sort of believe or, or have the experience of sort of knowing that um, it is, unfortunately, like, timeless and super universal, um, is, couldn't be more, like, micro and intimate, yet speaks to these macro-systemic issues. so good. Um, so, for me, it's a, I, I like... Many of my other works, I can criticise to the cows come home. Like I, you know, I can pull them apart. I, I would make them in different ways, etc., right, etc. Right. But, but this film, I feel, is just like it's. It is like a solid, good film, That's <laughs> um, good. Which, which, yeah. And I, and and it, and it completely stands the test of time, and 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 in a really, again, completely tragic way, perhaps resonates even stronger yeah like as as we move away from from when the incident happened um and we can read it in different ways the further and further we we move Absolutely. from that moment um and actually i'm not even sure in like now whether i would have even you know i would have been perceived as someone who shouldn't be making that film a white right. long guy from london why why, right. why were you making that film um of which frankly i can totally answer because i still think that that film is is a litmus test you know for for white audiences um so i think there is every justification that, that someone like me can make that film um but yeah i i don't know i um Unfortunately, I think that yeah, like you said, like that film will kind of stand the test of time. As I said, I don't mean that like Frank. Not a lot of my work necessarily will do that, so I'm not (laughs) saying that.
0: Mark, time time will tell. Time will tell. I I do understand, though, being you know analytical and self-critical and reflective and so on on your own choices and so on, looking back. I was reading quite a comical uh, article yesterday. Kevin Bacon, of all his films he's ever made, wants to go back and remake Tremors. I don't know if you remember that, but for the love, you know. Anyway, uh, I think it will stand the test of time, and I am so thrilled you made it, and I hope other films are made about this story and will continue to be made about the narrative, that's for sure. Uh, We can only hope there, and I I trust that it will shift minds and hearts. It's going to be seen as an academic document to me, and a historical piece, and that's that's super cool. Uh, and and forget about the cool factor; it's super important. That's what I yeah. meant by saying super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So thanks again and, and congrats and what a, a pleasure chatting with you today and I really truly man I, I, I wish we could have done this at a pub and I'm I'm pretty sure I would have had uh, uh, maybe a steak and kidney pie for lunch uh, I'm not sure some something along those lines
1: um,
0: yeah we've been we've been chatting with Mark Mark Silver today director uh, of, of three and a half minutes ten bullets Mark thank, thanks for your time really really appreciate uh, you joining me on face to face here today no, again man thanks for
1: having me that was lovely thank you. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance.